Hello, a quick interruption before we get started with today's show. I just relaunched six week keto weight loss. This is my group coaching program that I open up for registration about twice a year, where I take you through live coaching calls, a bunch of lessons and videos and teach you how to lose weight from a holistic functional perspective. We're talking about hormones, we're talking about liver health and gut health, and how these things can stand in your way from losing weight. It's six weeks. It comes with lessons, videos, PDFs, quizzes. I put together your personalized macros for you and so much more. You can find out more information and reserve your seat by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash six week. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com slash six week. That's the number six and the word week, W-E-E-K. I hope to see you over there and we will get started September 13th. Okay, on to the show. Hello, this is episode 326. I'm sorry if you can hear a fan in the background. It is so hot that I had to have it running or I would pass out and you would never get today's episode. (laughs) So today we're chatting about the thyroid. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I have worked with hundreds of clients at this point who go to their doctor and ask for a thyroid workup and they get a TSH. And I'm like, that's a pituitary stimulating hormone that's not even anyway. So today we are going to be talking about why you need more than a TSH marker to test your thyroid and understand what's happening with your master metabolism gland. We are going to be talking about what functional medicine is, encouragement on your healing path, because there is nothing worse than going to a doctor asking for a thing, feeling very convicted that this is the thing. And their doctor's like, nope, I'm not going to do that. So we're going to encourage you to keep on keeping on and how to advocate for your own health, understanding how to support your body through understanding the root cause of the issues you're dealing with, how to interpret your thyroid numbers, what you're testing when you test for your thyroid, what hypothyroidism is, signs that we have it, what doctors say it is, what functional health practitioners say it is, and so much more. Our guest today is Mike. Michael Rutherford, and his intention is to connect to people's inner healing and that everyone's capable through the use of food, movement, and lifestyle habits. He has spent his life heavily involved in nutrition and fitness, starting at a young age through various sports. After dealing with major digestive issues for nearly 20 years, he was tired of the same rhetoric that he was always told as eat more fiber. I know that we've all been told that at some point in our journey by some sort of practitioner. After reading some of the newest books on nutrition and health, he made some changes of his own. And as a result, his IBS disappeared and he was open to a whole new world. Insert singing. This was just the beginning of his learning journey. He has a natural passion for helping others regardless of the task at hand and uses this passion with the power of nutrition and lifestyle to help people achieve their goals. He is now a functional nutritional therapy practitioner certified by the NTA, along with also being a certified primal health coach through primal nutrition. Michael has worked at the top functional medicine clinic in his area with his family's business helping long haul truck drivers and now runs his own practice helping those suffering with hypothyroidism. Michael is also an educator currently teaching other practitioners and coaches how to take their practice to the next level 
using functional blood chemistry. If you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can also catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. You can also find Michael either at Fundamenta Wellness. Okay, so it's like fundamental without the L wellness. And then on Instagram, the thyroid coach. I'll include those links in the show notes. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show. Hello, Michael. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Don't mind the nice red light in the back. <laughs> I know I was I'm eyeing that up before. <laughs> all day on the computer and it just so I keep it as like an ambient light. Just the red spectrum will help basically helps balance all the blue light we get sitting on the computer all day. I love that idea. I could totally have my juve light sitting beside me, but yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll add that to yeah, the list like of things. <laughs> Just another thing for us to put in there, right? Yeah, I mean, right in my podcast setup, I mean, I travel with this thing. I have like pillows around me and ring lights. I mean, what's one more thing? And are you guys still on the boat? Yes, yeah, yeah. We are still traveling on the boat, going on That's three awesome. years now. We're crazy. It's official. We're totally nuts. You know, we couldn't get enough of it. We sold our boat and then we bought a different one. Like, I don't know. There's something wrong with us. <laughs> I have friends at RV and they do the same thing. They're like, we're tired of this one, but we're still getting an RV, just a different one. And then they'll, they'll redo that one. And then they're like, we want another one. Crazy humans. If I could suggest to anyone, don't buy a boat, get in an RV. It's so much simpler. <laughs> it's so much cheaper. It's so much easier. You have internet, you have power. If you break down, you just go to a gas station. In fact, we were crossing over the Gulf Stream a couple of months ago now. And our engine just decided to poke a hole through one of the hoses. I don't even know how it happened. And so we're underway and there's water filling up in our engine room. And I'm like, why do I choose to do this? I'm literally in the middle of the ocean and there's water coming into my boat and I don't know how to stop it. You know, like, <laughs> this is by choice. Yeah. Breaking down on a road versus breaking down in the middle of the ocean is two very different things. Oh, crazy. It's crazy. We could talk about boats the whole time. I got lots of stories, but we are here to talk about you and your work and your practice and for you to share some of your brilliance with us. So I'd love for you to start off. I did your official bio and everything, but I'd love to hear who you are, what you do and why your work is so important to you. Yeah. So I guess, you know, it all started way back when uh, I grew up, I mean, from a really early age, I remember like I have memories of being six, seven, eight years old of just horrible digestive issues, just being in the bathroom as a like little kid in tears because it was so bad. Tried all of the typical eat more fiber, don't eat this, don't eat that kind of basic stuff like, oh, it's just lactose intolerance. And so I avoided that for a while and was it was the 90s. And so I was drinking soy milk because then all of a sudden that was bothering me. No surprise. And then so I went back to dairy and all for a while it was okay. And I couldn't connect anything. It, you know, it just seemed no matter what I did, I just had digestive issues. And so I was just like, this is my life. This is what I'm going to deal with. And I was always active in sports. In middle school and high school, I was doing wrestling and weightlifting, which were both weight class dependent. 
So I at least had my eye on nutrition, mostly from the aspect of weight though, and did all of the horrible things. Most of us wrestlers now look back and you're like, we had like basically eating disorders. Like it was horrendous, the things that we would do. I mean, I would literally, you know, I could look back and call it fasting now, but it was really just starving myself in high school for 24 to 36 hours before weigh-ins and just sauna sweat and just all the horrible things. And I was incredibly unhealthy. It created lots of injuries because I was overtraining, not eating at all, talk about under eating and growing. I mean, I was still a child, I was still a kid. So I was still growing. And that's a really horrible combination. I still had digestive issues. I had severe joint pains. My knees would buckle just walking when I was like 18 years old. Like that's not a normal thing for an 18 year old to be experiencing. And so I was living off of ibuprofen. Left high school, went into the culinary industry where I was on hard floors working 12, 14 hour days, literally living off of caffeine and ibuprofen. I was taking two to three prescription strength ibuprofen a day. And I already had digestive issues, mind you. And ibuprofen is like the worst of all of the over-the-counter pain meds for your digestive system. And so I was taking over the recommended daily limit. And I did that for almost a decade. I was over that limit most days. So there's no surprise. I had some pretty bad digestive issues (laughs) and it just kept getting worse. I have twin boys. They were born in fall of 2014 in November. And by spring, I was working 70-hour weeks waking up with them. I was exhausted. I was living off of caffeine, probably at least a pot worth a day. I was working in restaurants. So I had free access to coffee and soda. So I literally just lived off of caffeine. And that's what I was doing. And I had crazy, horrible blood sugar issues. I'd have like a big stack of pancakes with orange juice and syrup and wonder why two hours later, I was like hypoglycemic. I'm like, I just ate all these carbs. I should be fine. And so I was actually over at my dad's for dinner. And he had been started reading books like grain brain and eat the yolks from Liz Wolf and all a lot of these new books. And basically, because he had set this goal, he was dealing with issues. He's like, I'm going to read the 50 newest books in health and nutrition. And so he did. And his mind was blown, you know, books about what they're doing with grains. And like, we didn't eat those things for most of our existence of humans. And so just kind of looking at it, it's like, okay. And he was just talking about it. And he's like, Hey, just try this out. I read the books. And I was like, okay, this makes logical sense. I didn't think it was going to fix. I didn't have any idea that it was going to fix digestive issues, energy, pain. I was just like, this makes sense. Let's try it. Within a month, I hadn't had any digestive issues. And mind you, I couldn't remember a time period growing up and into my 20s that I had gone a week without a digestive episode. I mean, it was almost a daily occurrence that something didn't feel right. And all of a sudden, I looked back and I was like, I haven't noticed anything in like a month of going basically paleo. And I was like, there is something to this. I didn't need as much caffeine. I wasn't taking ibuprofen anymore. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I was like, I need to learn all the things. So that was my entry into the rabbit hole. I've read probably 150 plus books I've spent. I would never even want to track the amount of time that I spend in PubMed reading research. I went through the Primal Health Coach Institute with Primal Blueprint and Mark Sisson. Then went through the NTA, Nutritional Therapy Association. I've taken several courses on functional lab chemistry and things like that. I now teach functional blood chemistry to other practitioners. And it's just been, it's been a crazy journey. I worked in a functional medicine clinic up here in my area in Washington for a little bit. Worked with my dad's company who actually works with truck drivers. So his business is built around the truck driving industry and his focus has been business for 30 plus years. But he started implementing health into it as he also went through the NTA. 
And so I actually kind of like took over that for about two years and was running the health side of that working with truck drivers. It was super cool. I mean, you get these just typical, I mean, what we think of as a typical truck driver, this just big beer belly guy who lives off of gas station food. And you can understand what that probably does to their health. They deal with twice the rates of diabetes, twice the rates of obesity, twice the rates of heart disease, all that take pretty much every chronic illness and they deal with it twice as much. The average life expectancy of a white male lifetime truck driver is 57 years. It's 20 years less than the average white male who's not in that industry. And it's just horrendous across the board. They're sitting in a seat all day. They eat junk and they needed someone who understands their industry. My dad's a third generation driver. He drove for 15 years. So they trust him. They thought it's like, okay, this guy actually understands. So it's not some doctor who's never been in a truck trying to tell us what we need to be doing. So they actually listened to us. And it was crazy. We saw people get off of five, six plus medications for metabolic syndrome, lose 100 plus pounds, completely reverse their diabetes in six months. So it was really cool. It was just amazing and humbling to work with. We had truck drivers who were living in the truck who would ferment vegetables and can their own meats. And it's just like they would get grass-fed meat and can it so that they could keep it in the truck shelf stable. And they're fermenting vegetables so they could just keep it on the shelf and it doesn't need refrigeration. And it's just like, I'm not even doing that. (laughs) So it was just really cool to see. I then I did end up leaving that and now just back to my own practice, just things that I wanted to be able to do with my practice and just more control over that. So now I'm back on my own. I primarily work with thyroid clients. I'm sure that's a lot of where our conversation will go. And that one has just always been interesting to me. My boy's mom dealt with a lot of hypothyroid issues. And so I just dove into that and wanted to learn everything about it because we went through six different naturopaths, not even just allopathic doctors, but naturopaths here in the area that just weren't running the right things. We had a doctor who didn't run vitamin D when she dealt with seasonal depression. And we live in the Northwest. I'm like, how are you not checking vitamin D? Like that should just be a baseline thing that we check for every single person up here. So it was just, I was like, obviously they're not going to help. So we have to figure this out. So it's just, it's been something that I have been passionate about. I think there's a lot of misinformation or misunderstanding on both sides of medicine around thyroid. And so I'm excited to get into that kind of maybe shake some feathers and what people are used to hearing. I am ready to share with you my very favorite fat packets that travel with me everywhere I go. Superfat makes the cleanest, most delicious fat packets on the market today, for real. I've tried some gnarly options seeking out the best of the best for you guys. Each Superfat packet has two to three grams of net carbs, no dairy, they're gluten-free, grain-free, no fillers, funky sweeteners, or palm oil. Just awesome ingredients, great and durable packets to keep in your gym bag, church bag, ditch bag, hiking bag, swim bag, purse, you get the idea. And if you love them as much as I personally do, you can get jarfuls of the stuff also. You can use a code KDP20 at superfat.com slash KDP20 to get 20% off everything superfat. Load up multiple times, you can go wild. That's superfat.com slash KDP20 and the code KDP20 to load up on their fat packets. I love that. So much of what you shared is wonderful. We actually moved to a small town for many years and lived beside our neighbors who drove truck and just hearing their lifestyle and what they do. I was like, 
somebody needs to go in there and teach these guys how to take care of themselves. And there's couples too. What I learned is like, there'll be a husband and wife team and they'll be on the road for so many days and so many weeks, months. I mean, it's a whole different thing. And you're right. Once they get it all together, you're like, I could be doing better. You have such a small little space and you're doing these things. It's like, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. Something you said that I wanted to find because some people may not know what this is. What's allopathic? Yeah. So allopathic is essentially kind of like Western medicine. It's kind of this term that we use to basically just describe this Western medicine, normal, typical approach to medicine, kind of the shadow or the opposite to integrative holistic medicine, where it's just this, here's a symptom, here's something to cover it kind of deal. They're not looking for the root of the problem. I love, I think it was Chris Crasser that I first heard this explanation from that I just love. And it's obviously oversimplified, but it gets the point across that in allopathic or Western medicine, if you have foot pain and you walk into their clinic, they're like, oh, your foot hurts. Here's an NSAID. Here's something. Here's a pain reliever. And really all that most basically, they just shut off the communication of your brain, that area to say, hey, there's no pain. Whereas in functional medicine, they're like, hey, take off your shoe. Oh, look, there's a rock in your shoe. Like, let's take out the rock. That's what was causing the pain instead of just trying to shut down the symptom. And I was like, it's oversimplified, obviously, but it's also not that far off from being wrong or right. Not that far off from being right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. We knew what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) And then I guess the opposite to that, what you kind of just described, because you use this word too, and I just want to set up these definitions. Functional medicine, I guess, would be the opposite to allopathic. Would that be fair to say? Or do you have a better description? Yeah. So, you know, you might see integrative or holistic or naturopathic or functional, and they're all kind of similar. With integrative, holistic, and functional, one of the issues is that it's kind of the Wild West out there. There's no organization that like runs that term and says basically anyone can put that term in front of them. And we're starting to see that now. A lot of these different non-allopathic doctors, we could say, have realized that that's a really big buzzword. That's functional or integrative are these big buzz search words. And so they're putting it in. And there's no body, there's no organization that's like running who can use that term or not. And I'm not saying that I think there should be. But that means that we have to be careful that we could get, you know, I've heard so many people who go and like, Oh, yeah, my functional medicine doctor did this or did that. I'm like, where did they get their training in functional medicine? Has they, you know, or have they just been like, Oh, that's a really good search engine word right now. And so I'm going to put that into my website. That's kind of the tough part. Ideally, is that functional medicine? integrative medicine is looking for what's really causing this. What's what's the cause of this? You know, I, I made a social media post a while ago that resonated with a lot of people is that inflammation is not a root cause. Like something caused the inflammation. We, we want to blame everything on inflammation. And yes, it is a cofactor in a lot of different chronic diseases and it's present. But our body didn't just randomly become inflamed. Like there is something that caused that inflammation. We can't just take these natural anti-inflammatories like curcumin and fish oil because we have high amounts of inflammation or chronic disease and think it's going to magically fix everything. If you've got a gas leak causing a fire, you can't just keep spraying water on it. Like just turn the gas off, like fix the leak. And that, then you don't need to keep spraying water on it to put the fire out. And that can be a dangerous rabbit hole to go down. It's like, well, that's not the root cause of this. It's this. It's a leaky gut. Isn't a root cause. Your gut didn't randomly become leaky. Like what caused it? 
And so it can be a deep hole to go down, but it can be necessary to really get off of this constant train of needing to take that supplement or do this or do that. We shouldn't need all of those things. I think that's such a great point and something I'm going and experiencing recently. I've really wanted to get at the root cause of a couple of issues that I've had for over a decade. And I have to remind myself often, you know, I've done multiple Dutch tests, multiple GI maps. Now I'm doing a micronutrient analysis and I'm doing mold testing and, 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 and you get into this hole and you're like, well, I'm halfway down may as well keep going. But I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people get discouraged because they're like, well, when is this going to end? And Mm -hmm. I think that's really good words of encouragement of oftentimes it becomes a steep hole and it really takes a while to get down to the root. And it's not like throughout all my testing, I found, Ooh, okay. I have a little bit of a methylation problem. So I'm going to supplement with that. And Ooh, I have this issue. I'm going to do this. Or then we tested my GI map and it said the IGA was low and we've tried everything. Okay. So is it mold? And, and so you're kind of uncovering these bits and kind of patching up holes where you see things and fixing things, but to get down to the root, it can take some time. And I think a lot of people get discouraged over this. Yeah. And it's funny because I love GI maps and Dutch and all of these things. One of the things I teach blood chemistry. And one of the reasons why I do is because we think about it, like the GI map is only essentially primarily looking at what's going on in the colon the last step of digestion. And there's so many things north of that that happen that we can't get from the GI map. And we have to be careful. It's like, again, that's not the root of the issue. It's the result of all these other problems. And so blood chemistry is more about cellular function and what's happening at the cell. And I had a teacher, Dr. Brian Walsh, I've done a lot of his courses. He's fantastic. And one of the things he's such a big proponent of is understanding physiology. And it's what I've then learned to teach. And when we understand kind of what we call the levels of organization of basically everything is, <laughs> is the way an organism is put together, right? So we have like the most tiny thing, which is an element, right? So we've got the element like iron, and then we can put those together and we can have heme or we can look at glucoses, carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. So that's a macromolecule. And we could put multiple of those together to make like a starch. And we could see this inside the body. And so we've got sugar or fat. And then you put those together and we have a triglyceride. And then we have to take cells and to make a tissue. And then the tissues make an organ and the organ make an organ system. And all the organ systems together make the organism. And it's like if we're only looking at the organ system or even the organ, we're not going deep enough. If we go with a cell and we have cells that operate correctly then the tissues are going to operate correctly. And if all the tissues operate correctly, the organ, and it keeps going up that way. So if we go back down to the the cell, which is the smallest living thing possible, a single component, like a nucleus can't survive on its own. But a whole cell, we have single cell organisms. And so that is the smallest bit that can contain life. And so if we start there, then everything else kind of just follows. If we actually fix the cells, then all of the organs can work. Instead of like, I'm going to fix this organ, and then I'm going to try and fix this organ, and then I'm going to try and fix this organ, that's what I do with my thyroid clients. A lot of practitioners like, oh yeah, you've got to get a full thyroid panel. And it's like seven markers. I'm like, it's not a full thyroid panel. My thyroid clients get like almost 50 markers on their blood chemistry because I have to know everything else that's influencing. The thyroid, you know, I say I specialize in thyroid. My handle is the thyroid coach. I really don't. I specialize in the cell. Like that's really, but for a marketing purpose, like people want to know what, you know, if I'm like, I'm a cell specialist, they're like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And so I work with the people that have the symptoms of hypothyroidism. 
but really I'm working on fixing their cell function because if I do, then all the other things come together. The thyroid is pretty much always secondary to something else. Something else has not been working and that's now affecting the thyroid. It doesn't just like throw its arms up and quit just because. Like it's, just, it's not just like, oh, I don't feel like working today. And so it's because of something else that's gone on. And so that's what we have to do. We can't, I say there's two different parts of figuring out hypothyroid for someone. Use the thyroid markers to figure out their pattern. So we have these kind of different patterns of hypothyroidism. And then from the patterns, we can start to figure out what, you know, each kind of pattern has their own subset of different causes. And so once we know the pattern, we know where to look elsewhere and go from there. Again, so you just, you got to start working at the cells and then everything else falls into place. It's just, just, I still use the other tests, but I use blood chemistry 85, 90% of the time. And it's cheaper. That's the great thing. It's much cheaper. It's more customizable. The GI map, you can't order like half a GI map. (laughs) You spend the three or $400 on the whole thing, no matter how many times you want to retest it. I can order a single marker on blood chemistry for 20 bucks if I want to. It's pretty cool. Or I could spend $400. That's so cool. And what's the difference between the tests that you use and the tests that somebody would get like with their doctor? Here's the best thing. Not a whole lot. So I order some more, but every blood chemistry marker that I order, a doctor, their primary care physician could order. I like all of my labs get done through LabCorp, the same lab that a lot of doctors use or Quest. The difference is one, will they run those markers? They don't necessarily want to run all the markers I want to run. And two, we look at them completely different. So when a doctor looks at a marker, they're most, especially in allopathic, but even some integrative or, or whatever, it kind of just depends on what they've been trained in. They're looking for disease. So they use a completely different range. They use the lab range. And all they're basically doing most of the time is going down the chart of high and low. It's like, oh, that's high, that's low. This means that, that's this disease. But disease, especially chronic disease, operates on a spectrum. Like we didn't go from completely healthy to like diseased overnight. And we didn't just wake up one day and like, oh, everything's a mess. Like there was this progression. And that's where a lot of like functional medicine and integrative medicine really tries to catch people is in that. And I think as Dr. Will Cole did a really, and someone else, I know he's talked about it a lot and I don't even know if he actually created it, but it's called like the inflammation autoimmune spectrum. And there's three different main stages of it. And really we could apply this to just about any disease. That's the reality of it is there's this, Within autoimmunity, there's this first stage where just the antibodies begin to be created. There's no symptoms. There's no changes in labs other than elevated antibodies. And then eventually, those antibodies destroy enough tissue of a gland or organ that they start to create symptoms. But they may have not in the thyroid, for example. The TSH and T4 may have not moved all that much, but there's starting to be symptoms. And then finally, there's the final state where there's so much destruction, the labs are a mess, and you finally get diagnosed. But you could be in that middle stage for years. And doctors are like, ah, you're fine. And it's just like, ah, I had a client who's naturopath. They tested their antibodies. They waited five years before they did anything. They kept tracking them every year. And they kept going up a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. And finally, the TSH became so elevated. And the T4 got low. They're like, oh, you know, uh, nature's right. It's like, we know that there's so much more than just hormones that we can do for thyroid, especially Hashimoto's. A good colleague of mine, Dr. Robert Abbott is part of the team that has done multiple studies on, I think they've done three and they're trying to get a fourth one done on different autoimmune diseases 
and the AIP to six program that Angie Alt and Mickey Trescott put together. And they've done clinical trials on this where they take actual like humans and they put them through this program and they test before and after and symptom tracking and all of that. And it's so we finally have it's like the first real clinical trials we had on diet and lifestyle intervention on autoimmune disease. And it's amazing. They've done RA, Hashimoto's, I think they did IBD. I think those are the three that they've done. But it's just, it's so cool to see. We finally have something to hand to a doctor. We're like, no, actually, lifestyle and diet does work for autoimmune diseases. Allopathic medicine doesn't take that stance. Keto flu, impossible fasting symptoms that stop you mid-fast, cravings at any hour of the day, or feeling off after a sweaty workout, these are some of the signs that you're low in electrolytes. When I first started keto, I made all of the mistakes. One of the biggest ones was not supplementing with electrolytes. And still, seven years into keto, I often forget how essential electrolytes are. Honestly, it's easy to forget to take electrolytes because, well, a lot of them don't taste very good or work very well. Enter Element, the most delicious, well-balanced electrolyte powder I've personally tried, like ever. Add to water and enjoy any time of day. These electrolytes are salty, as they should be, quenching your thirst and hitting the spot. And the best part, when you head to drinklmnt.com slash KDP, you'll receive a free Element sample pack. You only pay $5 for shipping. The sample pack includes eight packets of Element that includes two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash KDP for your free sample pack. I love Element and I really think you're going to too. Again, that's drinkelement.com forward slash KDP to get your free sample pack. And if you don't love it, they will refund your $5, no questions asked. It's so fascinating too, when you're talking about your client, how over time the tissues were getting worse and worse and worse. And had they caught it before, you could have done things to mitigate it. As somebody who's listening that perhaps feels like maybe they have a thyroid issue, what sorts of things, like how do they know if they have this, if they need support, if their doctor's saying, no, 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 your thyroid's fine. Like what should they be looking for either symptom-wise or in the blood panels they have? Can you give us some indication there? Yeah. So let's start with symptoms because you may not be able to get access to labs right away. So symptoms we can all feel, right? So the most vague symptom of all, fatigue, that has like 1,500 different causes, but fatigue is one. Depression is one. High cholesterol. One of the common causes of elevated cholesterol is hypothyroid. We need thyroid hormone in the liver to clear out cholesterol. We don't have enough thyroid hormone. We don't clear enough cholesterol, gets elevated. So high cholesterol can be one. Fatigue, depression, mood disorders in general. The missing part of your outer eyebrow. I thought that was totally like a holistic integrated thing. It's actually like part of like even like allopathic traditional diagnosis. And I don't know, I, I can't remember like why specifically, but it's something about like the thyroid has an influence on the outer third of your eyebrow. Uh, so if that's missing or thinning, that could be thyroid issues, thinning or loss of hair, sensitivity to cold. So if you're always cold, that's a big one. Your thyroid regulates your body temperature. If you don't have enough of it, you struggle getting warm. You know, if it's 75 degrees and you're grabbing a hoodie, that's a good indicator. In fact, you can do your morning temperature. You can take your morning temperature first thing upon rising. And if it's slightly low, that can actually be, especially if it's chronically, if it's kind of always low, that's an indication of hypothyroidism. It's a really good way to check that. Then lab-wise, you can definitely reach out. 
this is where we're going to start ruffling some feathers. We're going to get into this more. So don't stop the podcast if, if you're listening and you're like, this man doesn't know what he's talking about. Stay with us. Thyroid dysfunction. Dysfunction of the thyroid itself only requires two markers. Allopathic medicine is not wrong in this. And this is where I think we've done a disservice in the integrative functional holistic world. We've tried to oversimplify it. The only two markers you need to understand thyroid function for the gland itself is the TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone that comes from the brain. So it's not technically a thyroid hormone. It's not perfect because you could have issues in the pituitary, which is where it comes from. That could cause issues in that. And then the T4, ideally the free T4. So you have the total T4 and the free T4. And those are really the only indicators I can feel. I can feel the tension across the country. Uh, and so let's talk about it. So the thyroid, yes, we have T4 and T3. And then we have the antibodies and, every, and we have reverse T3. But the thyroid's main job is to produce T4. That is basically what the thyroid does. It produces T4. That T4 then gets dispersed into the body. It goes in the livers, the intestines, and, and all of the peripheral tissues and all the other cells. That's primarily where T3 happens. So those cells and those organs take the T4 and convert it to T3. Meaning if you have a T3 problem, if your T4 is fine and you have a T3 problem, it's not your thyroid. Your thyroid produced enough T4. It's an issue somewhere else. And now that can be a couple different issues. And it is amazing how many people I see coming to my practice and that's what they have. They have a T3 problem. They don't have a thyroid problem. Now they have what basically what we call cellular hypothyroidism because it's the T3 that our body primarily uses for the vast majority of functions that we associate with thyroid, especially things like energy and mood. A lot of that is based off of the T3. And so that's why we're like, well, it's a thyroid problem. And it, it's not, it's just it's at the cell and there's something going on. And usually the cell's doing it on purpose. Like it, again, it didn't just like, eh, you know, I don't feel like working. There's a reason why it's doing it. And we'll get into that. But it's, it's an issue at the cell where it's not, for some reason, not creating enough T3. Or if we have an autoimmune disease and there's lots of antibodies, again, that's really not a thyroid problem. That's the immune system attacking the thyroid. Of course, if you're trying to like ride your bike, that's your job to ride a bike. And every like 20 yards, you have someone sticking a stick in the wheel. Like, is that your fault as a bad rider? Like, you're not a bad bike rider. You've got someone making it really difficult to ride your bike. So it's really not the thyroid's fault. It's the immune system. Something has triggered the immune system to attack the thyroid gland. We need to address what's going on with the immune system. And again, the immune system isn't, it didn't just decide to be bad. It's essentially doing its job. We need to figure out why that's going on. So we, again, it's these rabbit holes that we keep going down, right? So we have to figure out what's going on. And this is why a lot of people go to their doctor and their doctor says, you're fine. They one, they probably only check their TSH. If you get lucky, they will check your T4. But both of those could be totally okay. They're not technically wrong that your thyroid's fine. Now, I am not dismissing your symptoms. Your symptoms are real and you have a problem. It's just not in your thyroid. It's at the cell level. So let's talk about first before. Do we have questions before I go more? You're blowing my mind right now, friend. And I have a feeling <laughs> I'm going to have to work with you on my thyroid. <laughs> <laughs> I, because, I love it. It's fun for you me. You know, personal experience time, like I've always been told that I have low thyroid. My T4 is always low. 
And all they do is give me NP thyroid and I take the thyroid and the T4 does nothing. And the T3 goes up and the TSH looks fine, but my T4 is always low. And the doctor's like, it's fine. And I'm like, is it? And I can never find anyone that's like, Ooh, low T4, do this, but you're blowing my mind. And I'm sure there are other people listening that just get so frustrated over not being able to find the care that they need. So yes, no questions, just more of a comment. (laughs) So what I will tell people is the biggest indicator, if your meds are working are not your labs, it's your symptoms. If you still feel your symptoms and I don't care what your labs say, we still have an issue. And one of the problems we can have, I'm sure we've talked about insulin resistance here on a keto-based yes. podcast. I'm sure insulin you should all know. <laughs> you should all know what this is. This is your, maybe it's your first time in which that's totally okay. Essentially, resistance is so insulin is a hormone, thyroids are hormones. We can have resistance to hormones. The way I explain this for anyone who's like, I'm not quite sure, is you know, we talked about taking ibuprofen earlier. When I first started taking ibuprofen, I only needed one. And after a while, that one didn't work anymore. My receptors became resistant to that. And so now I needed two. And then I needed three. And then that really wasn't doing anything. And I thought it was probably a really bad idea to take more. And I dealt with the pain. Uh, (laughs) And the idea is that we keep needing more to get the same result. That's resistant. It's not accepting the same amount. And so now it needs more of whatever that may be. And the problem is we don't have a really good way to actually measure thyroid hormone resistance. Unless your labs are all great and you still feel like crap. That's a really good indication. And assuming all the other things, because again, lots of things can cause fatigue and depression. And other, so we have to, again, look at the whole picture and not just those markers, make sure there's not anemia or something like that that's causing these issues. But if it is, so that's symptoms are such a huge piece. We have to be able to make sure that we're, regardless of our markers, what our symptoms look like, especially if you're borderline and you're still symptomatic, you probably need to be on the higher end of range. Okay, so now let's get into why low T3 with normal T4 is not a thyroid problem and what that's mean. So we're talking about at the cellular level. So again, we talked about thyroid is an energy molecule, right? It's what makes us feel good. And it'll also help with weight. It regulates our metabolic rate. So that can be like how much weight, you know, our ability to lose weight. So it is so strong. That in the 80s and 90s, weight loss clinics were giving T3 as a weight loss drug. And it, it worked. The problem was not all those people were hypothyroidism. They weren't checking. They were just giving it to them for weight loss. And they were having heart attacks and heart problems because your thyroid hormone regulates your heart rate. And so if you're not hypothyroid and you're given T3, you can go into a hyper state. And for anyway, you know, again, we primarily hypothyroidism is much, much more common. But one of the problems when we have someone that goes into a doctor and has hyperthyroid, the main thing they do is take your thyroid out because it is much easier to deal with someone who's now basically hypothyroid. It's much easier to just give you thyroid hormone because that's their fix. It's just, here's the thyroid hormone instead. Then to try and deal with the dangers that hyperthyroid presents, I mean, it can really cause some extreme, some pretty fatal issues if it's uncontrolled. So like, screw that, we're not even going to try and deal with it. We'll just take it out and give you thyroid hormone. So it's, it's strong. It is not a mild hormone, but it creates energy inside the cell. It is part of what helps create energy inside the cell. Now, every time we create energy or ATP, reactive oxygen species. So we have oxidative stress every time we create energy. So if we have a problem inside the cell, something is stressing that cell out and it has lots of oxidative stress. 
from something else, not from the cell function, but from something influencing it. It does not want more of that oxidative stress. So one of the first things it does is slow down its metabolic rate because the less our metabolic rate is, the less oxidative stress we're going to make to add to that problem. It's like we can barely deal with what we have going on from some other source. We don't need our energy creating more of it. And so they're like, you can be a little bit tired. That's okay. <laughs> your fatigue isn't going to kill you. This stressor is going to destroy our cell and that's a big deal. And so that's what's going on. And so the body, it's so incredibly smart. It's so incredibly smart. It knows what it's doing and it's trying to protect you. Now it's trying to protect you in the immediate. It is not thinking long-term survival. That is not how the body operates. It operates in how we can survive right now. And so that's what it's trying to do. So we have to figure out what's stressing the cell. Now, the other reason why we could have low T3 is just nutrient deficiencies. There's enzymes that convert T4 to T3, and they require enzymes to work. Enzymes that need nutrients to work are kind of like a car. The enzyme itself, that's basically a protein, is the car body. The cofactor or coenzyme of vitamin or mineral is the engine. You could have a Lamborghini. If there's no engine in it, it won't really serve much of a purpose. So you can have this enzyme, but if you don't have enough of the nutrient, the cofactor coenzyme to make it work, it's not going to really do a whole lot. So if you don't have enough of those nutrients, then your body can build all the enzymes at once. It's not going to go anywhere. So we're not going to convert that T4 to T3. And so we have to look at that's where, again, the labs help differentiate. This often gets misrepresented, I would say, functional medicine, integrative medicine a lot. Basically, they're like, we see this as we look at 3T3 and reverse T3. And they're like, if you've got, you know, if that's the problem, we can give you nutrients to help your body convert to 3T3 better. There's a problem with that though. So if one of them is elevated, generally it's going to be reverse T3. It's elevated. It's not a nutrient problem because there's two different enzymes from that act on T4. One makes it 3T3 or T3. One makes it reverse T3. They're different enzymes, but those enzymes require the same nutrients. So if one of them is elevated, you have the nutrients. That's not the problem for your free T3. If both of them are low, then it's probably a nutrient problem. If the reverse T3 is high, and we'll talk about what reverse T3 is, it's because your cells are like, we don't want a lot of energy right now. We want a slower metabolic rate. So reverse T3 is the brakes. It basically doesn't do anything. It's like the savings account. The free T3 is your checking account. That's what you're always pulling money out of. That's what's working. Your reverse T3 is kind of... It's not even a savings account. It's more like a bond. Like you're putting that away and you can't touch it. <laughs> like it's your 401k. Like it's some kind of like extra like long-term savings account where it's inactive. We're not actively using that for its role. And that's meant to help balance that because that T4 has to go somewhere. And so we're either going to put it in a reverse T3 and that will just kind of dissipate. Now, there's the idea that, well, we just need enough free T3 in relationship to reverse T3. And the theory behind that was that the reverse T3 binds to the receptors and then blocks the free T3. It's not really, there's really no literature that actually shows that. That was just kind of this theory that got repeated over and over and over. And so then everyone just kind of believed it. I did for a long time. But there's not really research in literature that actually shows that that's what's going on. It just, you don't have that. Now, and so the idea in kind of more integrative naturopathic functional medicine approach, this is cool. We'll just give you T3. Here's the problem. The enzyme that converts T4 to reverse T3 converts T3, free T3 or total T3, to T2. 
And T2 is a thyroid hormone we never hear about because it's not a marker that we have access to in a lab. Like we can't go and get a blood lab for T2 levels. We can see it in, in literature and things like that. We understand that it's there, but we don't have a good lab marker for it. Well, T2 is how we deactivate free T3. If it's already in that stage, we need to deactivate it. So what happens is someone, they're feeling hypothyroid, they have these symptoms, they have low T3, but elevated reverse T3 means, meaning their cell is doing this on purpose. They're essentially making them hypothyroid on purpose because of an issue. And we give them free T3 and they feel great for a little while. They go on some T3 therapy. They're like, oh my goodness, I feel good again. And guess what happens? Within a few weeks, month, couple months, they don't feel good again. And they're crappy again. And they're like, we need more. Like, this doesn't work anymore. Why? Because their body is moving all of that. They're deactivating it because we don't want it. It's not good to the cell. So it's like, yes, we move the marker, but the person doesn't feel good in the cell. It's not good for the cell. So is that really good long-term? So we have to figure out what is causing that cell to slow its metabolic rate in order to fix the problem. And by doing so, then we don't need the thyroid hormone anymore because the thyroid operates correctly, the cells operate correctly, and everyone and every cell is happy. And we don't need the exogenous support. And that's how I've helped multiple clients get off of thyroid hormone, which is not believed to be possible. In Western medicine, they completely don't believe it to be possible. Like, nope, this is your life. You're going to take this forever now. I've had a lot of naturopaths and integrative practitioners who are just like, yeah, but once they're on it, like they pretty much, they become dependent. Like, well, no, you just never actually figured out why it wasn't producing enough hormone or why the cells were over converting reverse T3. When you do, you can fix the problem. Wow. I'm glad you ruffled some feathers. We might have to have you on the podcast again. <laughs> I can ruffle um, feathers on, on insulin resistance, so we can come back for that one. <laughs> I love it. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. I guess my question would be, what words of encouragement do you have for somebody who believes, you know, we went through the symptoms, we talked about what could be happening. I'm imagining a woman like in her 40s, looking at her panels being like, my doctor says I'm fine. I'm experiencing all these things. What do I do? I'm so discouraged. This sounds really hard. And he sounds really smart. And I don't have this all together. <laughs> what words of encouragement do you have for that woman? Well, probably multiple so, women. There is lots of them. So I mean, one, women, women deal with hypothyroidism up to eight times more than men. Okay, let's get into some big theories on this. And we'll kind of get into some energy talk, but it's I think it's going to help. So one, we have your thyroid. If you don't know where your thyroid is, it's right here. This is too, it's like a butterfly gland that's basically right here in your throat. Now, we could talk about women have been silenced for decades and decades and decades and hundreds of years. And from an energy standpoint, like what would that block? What would that create tension and stress in this whole area here? And so does that play into it? It probably possibly could. Like things need to be happening in the body and trauma emotional trauma and mental trauma can manifest in physical ways and in ailments. So one, I think there's that. The women are also just much more hormonally complex and they handle stress differently. And cortisol has a huge impact on the thyroid. It is the cortisol that helps push more of that T4 into reverse T3. That is a huge aspect. So if we have elevated cortisol and we have dysregulation in cortisol, 
it's often going to result in high reverse T3s. We need to get that under control. So there's multiple factors going on there. So one is that, just like I said, there is hope. You can get out of that. I've helped people. So one, I mean, one option is reaching out to me and let's work together and let's figure out what's going on so we can get you out of that hole. Two, your doctor probably won't run the right labs. And that's the frustrating thing. They should. We somehow in all of society, not just the doctors, but we also think that the doctors are the boss. We have to, they're really not. Like it is your body. It is your health. It blows my mind. As a practitioner who orders labs, if someone really wants something, whether I think they need it or not, I'll order it for them. It's their money. It's their information. They have every right to have access to it. I will tell them like, hey, I don't think that's that important. We don't need to check it. But if you want to and you want to know it, let's do it. It's your money. It does. It's going to take me one more second to click another button to add it to order. It's not difficult. Why practitioners don't operate like that, I don't know. And their first thing is like, well, insurance isn't going to cover that. Cool. Here's some money. Like, I just want the information. And that's the big... The other big thing is they're not taught how to interpret those markers because they're not needed for diagnosis. To diagnose hypothyroidism, we need TSH and T4. And even though 70% of hypothyroid cases are Hashimoto's, they don't run the antibodies like ever because it doesn't change their approach. A lot of autoimmune diseases, they'll put on biologics or some sort of immunosuppressant. They don't work for Hashimoto's. They don't, there's no clinical improvements. There's no symptom improvement. There's no lab improvement. And so they don't, if it's not going to change their prescription and their approach, it is basically a waste of a lab. And so I, I get it because they don't understand that diet and lifestyle have a huge implication on autoimmunity. So that's the tough thing. But you can order your own labs. You don't even have to go through me. I and mean, there's probably a dozen websites now. It's pretty cool where you can order your own labs. It's all cash pay. That's a difficult thing, but we do have access to that. So we can get them. The labs that I recommend are the TSH, the T4. We got to get those ones. We got to know how the thyroid's working. But then we have the T3, the reverse T3, and then both antibodies, the TPO and TG antibodies, or the thyroid peroxidase and the uh, thyroglobulin. So the two different antibodies associated with Hashimoto's. And so we want to know because about 70% of hypothyroid cases are autoimmune in nature. And so we need to know that because that's going to completely change, not completely, but it's going to be a big part of our approach in addressing that. We have to deal with what's going on with the immune system. That's the root of that issue. So get those things. And if it's, you're like, I still don't know how, or again, you've got to know how to actually interpret them, like work with someone. And I, it can be difficult. I have multiple different ways that I can work with someone and I want to get you help. And so reach out reach out to someone, whether it's me or someone else, reach out to someone. This is what I work with all the time. And it's why I run all the additional markers. There's tons of other... Like I said, there's that was only about 7 markers. There's about 40 other ones that I look at. And it's for two reasons. Anemia, for example. Anemia and hypothyroidism. One, hypothyroidism can cause anemia because the thyroid helps stimulate the production of red blood cells. So if you don't have enough thyroid hormone, you might be anemic simply because your body's not producing enough. But they can be very similar symptomology. And so your thyroid could be completely fine, but you might be anemic. And so we need to look at that. I'm going to kind of... My goal is that I'm looking at multiple different things that can, one, influence the thyroid, but also that if in case the thyroid isn't dysfunctional, we might find what's causing your fatigue and your symptoms and things like that. So we're going to look at the body as a whole and be imbalanced, which is why 
I do that and why I'm teaching my students to do that and to be able to look at the bigger picture and not this single organ or this, you know, even organ system that we're still looking at the body as a whole. I think it's been, it's a huge disservice we're seeing integrative and functional medicine is we got on allopathic medicine for having all these specialists. And then what did we do? We specialize in this one thing, right? We specialize in thyroid or the gut or estrogen or this or that. And it's okay if we're using that for our marketing because, and that's where most of us doing. The problem is most of us have made our practice model that way. We're only looking at what's going on there versus what's going on in the whole body. That person's still a whole. So that's what I do. I try as best I can to look at the person as a whole. Then we have that conversation like, but I only have a thyroid problem. Why are you checking that? Oh, because it's all interrelated. And I want to make sure that, that we're catching that. I had a woman, she swore she had hypothyroidism. All of them are, none of them. It wasn't even like a cellular issue. They were all fine. But she was anemic. It's like, well, that was simple. <laughs> it's, like, it's this one. So then we have to figure out then, you know, that's a whole other issue, figuring out why that, why you're anemic. There's lots of different issues there. But it's, there's hope we can get there. Even if you've been on hormones for years, for a decade, you aren't stuck there. Now, not everyone gets off, especially if it's autoimmune. We could have too much destruction of the gland to recover. But we can keep you from needing more and more and more and more hormone as you go on. We can hopefully reduce the amount that you need. And the ideal goal is that we get you to a point where you don't need any more, which is kind of the fantastic. That's the optimal. That's the like best case scenario that we get to the point where you don't need it anymore and, and you feel great. Brilliant. And Michael, where can people find more from you? Because you said, contact me. Tell us all the links and I will be sure to put them in the show notes too. The easiest place is Instagram the thyroid coach. That's it. It's nice and simple because I did not think through with autocorrect and my website. So my website is Fundamenta Wellness, not fundamental, but Fundamenta, which is the Latin derivative of fundamental basically or foundational. The problem is your autocorrect is going to add an L and then it's not going to go to my website. Yeah. (laughs) The same thing. People are like, okay, I emailed it to you. I'm like, no, you didn't. Well, I guess I did. I'm like, no, no, go check your sent email. You sent it to fundamental wellness. And they're like, yep, I did. I'm like, oh. I didn't think that went through. So my hand, <laughs> my, my Instagram handle is super easy though. It's the thyroid coach. It's nice and straightforward. And then from there, you can either just DM me, just reach out and be like, Hey, I'm interested. And I'll get you the information. I'll get you the links. Or you can go under my link tree and you can find, you can find all the things there. Yeah. Brilliant. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I love being here. I love, I love talking about this stuff. I can, I mean, it's why I teach now. It's, I still work with clients one-on-one, but I love teaching. I love educating and talking. I could, I could do it forever. And you're so good at it. So keep it up. We will do that. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode so, so much. Next up on the podcast, we have on Sunday, August 8th, episode 327. I'm chatting with you. I'm answering a ton of questions on cortisol, PMS, menopause, and macros. I can't wait to share that one with you. And then Sunday, August 15th, episode 328, my friend Dallas Jenkins is coming on the show to chat with us about keto with the busiest schedule ever and how to have like a pretty good relationship with the ketogenic diet when you have the craziest schedule. Like, legit Dallas is the most busy person I've probably ever met. And yes, this is the Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen. I'm so pumped to have him on the show. It was so great to get to chat with him and to fangirl out a little bit on both sides. So I look forward to sharing that with you. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next week. Bye.
I hope you really enjoyed today's episode so, so much. Next up on the podcast, we have on Sunday, August 8th, episode 327. I'm chatting with you. I'm answering a ton of questions on cortisol, PMS, menopause, and macros. I can't wait to share that one with you. And then Sunday, August 15th, episode 328. My friend Dallas Jenkins is coming on the show to chat with us about keto with the busiest schedule ever and how to have like a pretty good relationship with the ketogenic diet when you have the craziest schedule. Like, legit Dallas is the most busy person I've probably ever met. And yes, this is the Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen. I'm so pumped to have him on the show. It was so great to get to chat with him and to fangirl out a little bit on both sides. So I look forward to sharing that with you. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.